0: The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, Episode 141. The world's only exact replica of the Greek Parthenon can be found in Nashville, Tennessee. And you thought it was only about country music. One, two, three. I'll show you Paris in the morning. I'll show you London Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and back again, today is someone who's been scouring the globe looking for survivor buffs for me, and more importantly, who has created a company that has given away over 24,000 meals. That's Nate Buchanan, founder of Peanut Butter Printing and creator of the Bucket List Lifestyle blog. Nate, thanks again for joining me and welcome. Looking forward to doing this again. If you guys missed it, I interviewed Nate as an EPOP success story and released that episode just a few days ago. And Nate documents the entire process of planning his first really big trip, went to three continents, did some crazy stuff. And if you want to get tips on how to plan, prepare and execute a multi-city, multi-country, multi-continent trip and do it on the cheap, he's the man to listen to. He did it awesome advice on that podcast. So you want to find that. You can get that on iTunes. Of course, you can get that at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. And today, we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about entrepreneurship and the company that Nate has been able to build and the difference that he's been able to make. Before we get into that, I want to remind you guys, today's episode is sponsored by Tortuga Backpacks. If you guys are interested in Going around the world with just a carry on. And I know, Nate, that you did that on your multi city trip. You traveled with just a carry on. Good experience, bad experience. Would you recommend it?
1: It was a great experience. I cannot imagine carrying more than one bag on the trip that we went on. I don't think we could have done it any other way.
0: Yeah. And I'm with you on that, especially when you're traveling to multiple places and you're jumping around. Having just a carry on, it's not only cheaper, but it also kind of takes all the mental energy out of it. You don't have as much. Crap, for lack of a better word, that you're that you're packing up every time and going around. So if you guys are interested, I use my Tortuga all over the world. Um you could check that out, tortugabackpacks.com. I highly recommend it. Make sure you use the discount code EPOP, EPOP. You can get ten percent off your whole order. So Nate, the first question we've got now, you know, I've kind of teased it out a little bit in the other podcast and in this podcast. You like peanut butter. You do something with peanut butter. You help give meals away. So the first question then is, what is peanut butter printing? What are you guys doing over there?
1: So about a year ago, I started Peanut Butter Printing, and it is a social enterprise that focuses on custom apparel and promotional products. It started with local businesses, and now we've expanded nationally. But it's a printing company that is saving lives. So for every $100 that somebody spends with our company, we donate 10 meals to children who are dying of malnutrition. So essentially, we saw a need or not necessarily a need, but the fact that there were all of these businesses all over the nation who were always going to need printed and promotional products in order to market their company. And we looked at that as saying, here's a place where people are going to spend a lot of money. Let's see if we can use that to do some good in the world. So we basically connected a giving model to a traditional printing company. And so now every time somebody buys printed promotional products, they're also helping us save lives all around the world.
0: So how did you get into printing? Was this something... Because you launched it a year ago. So for those of you guys who don't know, Nate, you're 25, right? Correct. So very ambitious here. And you went and you did your MBA. And then you and you launched this company. How did you fall into this printing thing? Was it something your family had done? Was it something you're always interested in? Did it just happen? Because a lot of times people think, oh, yeah, it's great. He's an entrepreneur. He's always had these ideas. But uh, sometimes it just it kind of happens.
1: That is a good question, and I ask myself some days, how did I end up in the printing business? Essentially, I've known for a long time that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I started my first company when I was in high school. My friend and I went around sealing people's driveways during the summer, and so I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I went to school, studied entrepreneurship, business management, went straight through, got my MBA, and when I graduated, I knew I wanted to start a company, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted that to be. And I'd always been interested in online business. So that was actually my first intentions. So I started an e-commerce company that was selling t-shirts to raise money for nonprofits. So that's kind of what started to get me into it. At that point, I knew enough to get an online store up, but I didn't know anything about the printing side and one of my old Sunday school teachers Uh, He had actually owned a printing business, and so I just picked up the phone, called him, hadn't talked to him in probably five years, and was like, hey, I know you used to print t-shirts. Can you teach me? And so uh, he came along and, and mentored me in that process. So for about... Eight months, I ran a company called Movement 52. Each week, we partnered with a different nonprofit. We designed t-shirts for them, sold them on the website, and then for every t-shirt that we sold, we gave $8 to the nonprofit that we were partnered with that week. Some weeks went well, other weeks not so well. A lot of it depended on our nonprofit partner. But essentially, at the end of 2013, after we'd had about 20 of these partnerships, financially, we just couldn't continue to you know, lose money occasionally each week. And so I had gained this knowledge of the printing industry. On the side, we had started printing for local businesses already because people heard that I was printing t-shirts and they started asking if I could print those, you know, for their business. Could you print other things like coffee mugs? And at that point, if they were going to pay me to print something, then I wasn't going to turn it down. had actually started doing more business that way than with the website. And so at the beginning of 2014, we rebranded from Movement 52 to Peanut Butter Printing. And I started focusing a lot more on selling to local businesses here in Nashville.
0: You know, I listen to all these entrepreneur stories and I love it because there is never really kind of a clean thing of like, I wanted to start this and I started it and it was a huge success. And here I am, I've done one thing opportunities lead opportunities lead opportunities that you don't even know exist before you get into it. And that's why we always say, you know, taking that first step or just trying something is the most important part because you didn't imagine that you'd be printing stuff. You thought you would be running a online store that, you know, you wouldn't touch the printing. But here you are running now a printing company. How hard was it to start the Movement 52? Because a lot of people have ideas. So the first hurdle is like, what's my idea? And then you get an idea and you think, all right, I'm going to do this. But most people don't end up doing it because they don't know how. How did you start with Movement 52? How did you decide, I'm actually going to give this a go? Was it hard? What were the main obstacles there?
1: So I think probably the biggest obstacle for me was the fact that I didn't know how to print a t-shirt and that was going to be our main product. And then on top of that, I didn't really understand the printing business. And Looking back, I didn't realize how big of an ask I was making, but I was going to these printers and I was saying, I'm going to run this campaign every week. We don't know how many t-shirts we're going to sell, but at the end of the week, because we weren't going to print anything up front because we didn't want to have a lot of inventory sitting around, at the end of the week, I need you to print exactly how many we sold and then I'm going to ship them out to everybody. Luckily, I found a guy who had recently started a business you know, a couple years ago, was looking for a growth opportunity. And I don't want to say I misled him, but I probably definitely overpromised because we hoped the website was going to be more successful than it actually was. So we found somebody to agree to print these, turn them around in three days so we could get them shipped out to the customers at a decent time. That was probably the biggest hurdle. And then the other side of that is the website portion, which... I've done it both ways. I've probably built five or 10 websites on my own. And when I say built on my own, I don't mean coded them from scratch, but I mean installed WordPress and then picked a theme and then customized it. You know, we had high hopes for this Movement 52 company. And so we got a professional web development company to come in and develop it. And looking back, that was one of the bigger mistakes that we made, mainly because I have enough experience to be dangerous with WordPress. So like if I need something to happen in my website, I can usually find some kind of plugin or do something to manipulate it to get close to what I wanted it to do, but having a professional firm come in and design it, you know, they had control of the back end and when I wanted something changed it was going to be $300 and take 2 weeks when I knew, you know, if I had access to the back end of the site, I could go in there and put something together in an hour or two, you know, that was similar. So those were probably the, the two biggest struggles.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point. Kind of talking about the overhead and how much you put into the business in the beginning when you're starting out, because, you know, sometimes it's inevitable. I mean, if you run an online business and you start a website, you do something similar to what I do. There is very little overhead. I mean, the overhead is your time, but money wise, you don't really even have to invest anything. I mean, you could literally start a website for free, start writing, try to monetize it. I mean, You could spend $0 and essentially get something up that maybe could make money if if you're good at it. How did you balance the overhead portion? Because you had to, like you said, you brought in a professional web development team. You didn't know how the Movement 52 was going to go, but you had high hopes for it. In the beginning, was that tough? Because you're, you're spending money without bringing something in at first.
1: It was tough. I think I'm kind of an entrepreneur by nature, which probably means that I'm overly optimistic because I think most people, if they knew what they were getting into with entrepreneurship, they probably wouldn't do it. So I had somebody else come in and we partnered together and it was just basically a silent investor. So I had some money saved up from my previous company, the driveway ceiling business that we had run during high school and college. And so I put some of that money in. Somebody, private investor came in and matched it. Not like uh, venture capital firm or anything like that, just a basically a family friend, we definitely went too big in the beginning, so you know we paid a lot of money to get this website developed and that that was the majority of the cost was the web development. You know we wanted to have something that looked really professional and you know let's make sure it's awesome so when we launch it, nobody thinks anything bad about us. But looking back, I could have put up a WordPress site in a couple weeks you know, thrown WooCommerce on top of it, sold some products through it, and then just tested it. And I could have learned in the first couple months of business that there wasn't going to be enough customers to support what we were going to do instead of spending months developing it and thousands of dollars.
0: Such an important lesson that I think all of us have to learn at some point. And and I've been there where it's, you have the idea, so you think it's going to be great. And, And it might be a great idea, but it there's so many other factors. It's not like every great idea becomes a successful business. It's not like every bad idea does bad. It's There's like a million other parts that feed into that. You know, Some of it luck, some of it talent, all that kind of stuff. And so if you can test something before you go big with it, you can really get a good feel of whether it's worth it or not. And I think that that's one of the flaws of a lot of people when they start out, especially me oh, of course this is going to work. Like, Why wouldn't it? I have a great idea and I believe in myself and that's a good place to be in, but you don't want to just go over the top and invest too much. And I think that's really interesting that you said you could have done you know, the minimum viable product thing to use some buzzwords out there, put it up, seen how it was going to work and save yourself time and money if you had just done that right off the bat.
1: Yeah, I think two really important things that we've covered up to this point that, you know, you kind of mentioned, I've kind of mentioned, but that I just want to echo again is one, just get started. If you have an idea, I spent all of my time in undergrad and grad school dreaming up these million dollar ideas, you know, and I was going to go raise money from venture capitalists. And then none of it ever panned out. And I graduated from college Before I went to college, I had this like dream of having a company by the time I left school and then I got out of school and I didn't have anything because I hadn't taken any action. I just sat around and thought about it. So I was basically mad at myself when I graduated that I hadn't done anything. So as soon as I graduated, I just started pulling the trigger on stuff. Oh, I've got this idea for a t-shirt company. Let's go do that. That has led to so much more over the past few years than the six years I spent in school dreaming about these big ideas.
0: It's such a good point that just start and start as small as you can and try to test as much as you can and then go from there. And how hard was it for you to let go of this idea of Movement 52? Because like you said, you sat there and you dreamed of all these ideas, and then this was the one you finally pulled the trigger on first, and this is going to be it. And you have these big grand goals, and I do that all the time, and I think most people listening can attest to the fact that they probably do that. But you let go of it pretty quickly, and that, I, I don't know. For me, I feel like that would be hard. Now, you were moving into something else. It's not like you are giving up and saying, all right, right, I'm dream's dead. I'm going to go work at McDonald's or anything like that. But how hard was it to move away from that and say, This isn't working and it's not going to work in the future. I have to pivot and change paths here.
1: Definitely knowing that I was moving on to something else that was similar, that kind of built off what I had done before, made that transition easier. And to answer your question, it probably wasn't as hard for me as it should have been because of my personality. So my personality is pretty ADD when it comes to business. Like There's always something better out there. I want to move on to the next biggest, latest, greatest thing. And so that's something where I really have to kind of rein myself in and focus is challenging for me. And so that was really what I was struggling with the most at that point was, am I giving up on this too soon? Do I just want to move on because this isn't working out at the moment? And I think there's something better out there. But looking back I, I think I made a good decision. Obviously, I had a company that was pretty much failing at that point and now we've got one that's donated over twenty four thousand meals, saved the lives of a hundred and sixty kids. So it's it's been pretty exciting and looking back, I'm thankful for the decision that I made.
0: And with peanut butter printing, so you started it, I mean you've had it for a year now. Like how did you even start? because a lot of people are going to ask that question, like, okay, well, yeah, you learned printing, you got lucky. I, people say lucky, but I mean, you you reached out to someone that you knew did it and you like teach me the tools of the trade. So it's lucky that you knew someone, but it's also 99% of people would never reach out. That's another like rant. I'm not going to get up on the soapbox there. But talk us through 2014 from I'm going to pivot and start peanut butter printing to now like, hey, we're doing this. And we've been written up in the media, and we're doing, you know, awesome products, and we're also helping people. I mean, you've come very, very far in a year. How did all that coalesce?
1: So I think it helped starting with the base of knowing at least how to print t-shirts. So when we were going to transition, I knew how to print t-shirts, but I didn't know anything about doing coffee mugs or pens or anything like that. And, you know, as I said, the guy that I had reached out to You know, we kind of circled back around and I said, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing. going to pivot the company and focus on selling to businesses. And that was something that he had done in the past. So, you know, finding a mentor, finding somebody that's been there and done it before was definitely something that was extremely helpful for me. And then it was get a WordPress site. This time I went the opposite route, didn't do the professional development, didn't have the money for it at that point. So bought the domain, peanutbutterprinting.com, put up a theme, basically just in, an information site so that people could come learn about the company, learn about our vision and our mission. And then after we got the site up, I started emailing and calling people. You know, it was good because we had already done some t-shirts in the past. And so I had something to show, you know, like, oh, here's here's something that we've done. But it was Picking up the phone, calling people who I knew, owned businesses, sending emails, going to lunch with people, asking if they would give me referrals, just a lot of, of personal connection and awkward meetings and phone calls. I think almost any entrepreneurial venture that you start, you have to be willing to kind of go through that, that awkward phase of like, we're still figuring things out. I don't know all the answers. And I think that actually helped me a lot in the beginning. And people appreciate that. So my philosophy is just to always be honest. I'm never going to come into something and try to act like I know what I'm talking about when I don't. And so I remember the first few meetings that I went into, people asking me questions about t-shirts. I'd be like, well, I know this from past experience, but honestly, I don't know. Let me go back, do some research. Figure it out, and I think people liked that. You know that they, they liked knowing that I was open and honest. I wasn't trying to just sell them something that they didn't need. The fact that I had to go back and research it and find the best product for them actually helped me sell uh, quite a few jobs in the beginning. I think
0: it's crazy to say that honesty is the most important because it seems common sense, but it's also a lot of times when you're starting out you want to portray yourself or or people or marketers are filling your head with portray yourself as the as the best expert in this or the you know you want to be bigger than you are and i think you don't want to be self-deprecating to the point that people are like well this guy doesn't know anything but i think it is an incredible tool and i don't mean tool that you should use it to your gain but that it helps you be honest and just say hey we just started We, you know, we're trying this out. Here's what I know. And it's amazing the feedback you get because especially when you going to other business owners are talking to them, they know they've been there before. I mean, they started out at some point and, and had to learn trial by fire. And so I think a lot of people will relate to that because they've been in that situation where they were either low man on the totem pole for a company or they started their own company and they were just trying to get their foot in the door or even, you know, in other social situations, they felt that I want to do this, but I'm not exactly sure I'm going to go for it. And when you portray yourself as being honest and as also doing the unglamorous side of it, I think that really resonates with a lot of people.
1: Definitely. And I think any any business you go to, I mean, maybe subtract like Fortune 500 companies, but any business you go to they look like they have it all going on from the outside but then when you get inside and learn the inner workings of businesses or blogs or podcasts or anything like that it's just somebody figuring things out you know so they they can't
0: hold you back if they aren't figuring it out that means they're probably not getting better i mean yes isn't that what getting better and advancing and and you know moving up is is constantly taking those that step of, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it because someone else isn't, and this is going to get me ahead or, or get better at this skill or something like that.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: So you went on all these meetings. You're basically out there trying to figure it out. How did that, was there like a, a big score for you? Was there something that happened that you know skyrocketed, or was it a slow, steady month or by month, week by week, day by day, let's just build it, build it, build it.
1: I got, I will say pretty lucky and had one really big sale at the very beginning and at that point I didn't even realize that it was a big deal, which is probably one of the reasons that I got it cuz I wasn't nervous going in. We sold like three huge church camps all of their apparel in the very beginning from one meeting that I had. Didn't know what I was doing. It was, I think it was literally my first meeting. That helped get us off to a good start and gave me a little bit of confidence. But after that, the rest of the year, I mean, it was just a slow grind of consistently seeking new customers, taking on a lot of small jobs here and there to pay the bills, and then looking for those bigger kind of home run hits, which th- there weren't a lot of, but you know, in this industry, several of them can do a lot for your business.
0: Day-to-day, what type of things have you set up? Because I know running your own business is hard because you don't answer to anyone. I mean, you answer to customers or the clients, but you're not answering to anyone who's saying, hey, Nate, you got to show up at 9 o'clock and you can't leave till 5 o'clock. And that's the draw of doing your own thing. That's why I do it. That's why you do it. We love that freedom. But it's also very, very difficult because you don't have someone standing over you telling you what to do. How have you been able to balance that? Do you have certain things that you do each day? Do you have systems in place, or is it again figuring it out day by day? I
1: need to do a better job of putting systems in place. Like I mean, I have some systems in place as far as like financial stuff goes, and like ways that we fulfill orders and different types of stuff like that. But as far as like a daily system, I get up at five thirty most days. That helps because as an entrepreneur, there's a lot to do, and for me, my inbox starts to fill up with things that people need. And there's a lot of people that talk about inbox zero and and batching emails, but for me, email is customer service, and so I can't have my clients waiting half a day to get an email back from me when they just had a question about a t-shirt. So I like to get up at five thirty if I have any like big, more like big picture stuff that doesn't have to be done by the end of the day. I try to do that before nine o'clock because I know if I don't do it before nine, people are going to start sending me emails and the big picture stuff is going to get pushed to the back burner. And so for me, starting my day early is definitely a big thing. Another thing that I've started doing this year, I'm getting a lot more serious about sales. So every morning I sit down, make a list of, I've got a notepad. I think there's 15 or 20 lines on it and I make a list of 20 people I need to call or email in regards to to new clients and new sales. And I'm trying to set aside time between like nine and eleven and kind of make that like a sacred time to do sales. Not doing a great job at it, but I am making sure that I get through that list by the end of the day. So those are those are a few things I've set up, but I should probably
0: do a better job. All of us are our worst critics, right? You can always do better. You always listen to this guy who's like, I, you know, five, every five minutes is segment it out. And they're like very focused. And some people can do it. I've never been able to do it. I'm very scatterbrained and unfocused a lot of times. And I've had to do similar things to you where I've said, hey, I'm only going to answer my email at a certain time of day or a certain day a week. And and obviously, the email thing doesn't work exactly the same for you. But you have to put these systems in place. I think you you made a good point of doing the bigger picture things, the things that take a lot of mental energy. like They might not accomplish anything that day. So you don't have the instant gratification because we all want to chase that. Oh, if I answer this email, that's instant gratification. That's one less email I have to answer. But the big picture things are, are much harder to wrap your mind around. That's why they're big picture things. And I, I found that if I can do that either late at night after I've kind of decompressed, sometimes that doesn't work because I stay up all night, or if I could do it in the morning before I get into the daily stuff that really, really helps.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And I've, I've found the same thing. Another thing that I would say that's helped me stay more productive. And this is like just a tiny little thing, but turning off email notifications on my computer. And then also there's a Chrome extension that you can install called Newsfeed Eradicator. So like, I'm forced to go to Facebook a few times a day for marketing purposes. Like I, I'm on there for business, but what happens is you get on Facebook and then you see your newsfeed and it's like, Oh, this is interesting. And next thing I know, I've watched like three BuzzFeed videos. And so I, it's probably been almost six months now. You can install this thing called Newsfeed Eradicator and it replaces your newsfeed with like an inspiring quote about like time or controlling your mind or something like that. So now. I get on Facebook, I make my post and there's nothing to distract me or keep me on there for 30 minutes like I shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, there's all types of little productivity tricks. That's a great one and I'm going to I'm going to do that as well. I've turned off like I've taken Facebook off my phone. I I don't answer email on my phone because it's not worth it because I can't really it takes too much time and why is the point of even like getting on it and looking at the email if I can't respond to it because then I'm thinking about it but I'm not doing anything about it. So I've I've done some little tricks like that. What about the emotional roller coaster of having your own business? Because, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, you have a, you have a wife, you have a place that you're living. It's up to you to make money and, and to be financially successful on top of the fact that you're trying to do all these other things like grow the business and, and give food to children who need it. In the end, you have to be successful to be able to keep a roof over your head. How has that been? Like, have you found ways to deal with that successfully? because i know that's one of the things that always gets me worked up is oh my gosh i don't know how much i'm going to make this month hopefully it's good and cross your fingers right
1: it is a roller coaster because you know like days when i have a big sale or something i'm on top of the world and i'm ready to to do work but then there's there's the flip side where you get up and if i don't have orders i don't really have anything to do and those are the worst days because then you're trying to find stuff to do. And like, really, I probably do have stuff I should be doing, but I just kind of like get in this funk and nothing seems to be productive. And at that point, I've got a couple of things that I've started doing, either pick up the phone and make calls because for some reason that'll get my adrenaline going a little bit and pull me out of it usually, or go on a run or something like that. But I mean, it... As much as I hate to admit it, it's it's an emotional roller coaster, and I haven't exactly figured out the best way to deal with
0: it yet. And the worst is that then the day goes by, and you're not ready to give up work because it's five p.m. You feel like you haven't accomplished anything, so then that goes into the evening. You, you and and it's not like you wasted that day on purpose and said, oh, "I'm going to like sit around and watch TV all day." or I'm going to go you know, play video games all day. You, you think, why didn't I just do that? Like, I didn't get anything accomplished. Wouldn't it have been great if I set aside that day to do it? I, I feel that all the time. And one of the things that I've done that has helped me a, a decent amount is at least the night before I'll sit and I'll write down a to-do list. So I don't do it in the morning because then my mind's kind of already going. If I do it at the end of the night, at a, it helps me sleep because I'm thinking, okay, well, I don't have to remember that tomorrow. It's written down on a piece of paper. And then when I wake up and I sit there and I think, man, what am I doing? Or I get one thing done and I'm like, what's next? It's weird. Our brains are so capable of it. But if I do one thing, I'm like, I don't even remember what's next. And I look at that and I'm like, oh, yeah, these five things have to get done. So that's one way it's helped me. It's not perfect. But I, I feel you on that whole, what am I doing today? Is this even worth it? Am I being productive type mindset?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I've got a I've got a legal pad-sized paper that sits right beside my desk that's a to-do list. I keep almost everything on my computer except my to-do list. For some reason, it helps for me to physically write it down and it'd be right there where I can see it the whole time.
0: And to take your eyes off the screen for just a little bit can be really... I don't know, empowering? Maybe empowering is not the right word, but it can just be refreshing, I guess. Like, all right, I'm not looking at my computer. Sometimes I even just walk outside looking at my to-do list just to get outside. And that seems to help.
1: Yeah, there are times like at night, I don't even like want to sit down and watch the TV or anything like that because I don't want to look at another screen. You know, like I need a book or, or something that's not a screen.
0: All right, so peanut butter printing, you saw a growth phase in 2014. I mean, it's incredible that in one year you've been able to do all That you've been able to do. I want you to talk a little bit about what you see as the future because this is, you know, you could continue going down the same path and it would be okay. But I know from having spoken to you before that there's got to be much bigger dreams, goals, and that you've had it mapped out. What is 2015 looking at? Like, how can someone, if they're in the same place, look to take their business to the next level? And how do they even figure out what the next level is?
1: Yeah, that is, that is a big question, and that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out right now. But no, definitely 2015 for me is a year of sales and teaching myself to be a good salesperson, learning. I, I talked about picking up the phone in 2014 to get the business started, and then I kind of got away from that, and a lot of the first phone calls were people that were at least like warm leads that I had some type of introduction to. And so 2015 is training myself to get uncomfortable, pick up the phone and make calls to businesses who I hope will be our customer one day. And for us, uh, so we have a contract printing model, so we don't actually print anything in-house. We do more of the sales and fulfillment side of things. And so the bigger businesses that we can target, the more better and the more effective we can use our time because doing a 20 shirt order is going to take about the same amount of time as a thousand shirt order, since we're not the ones who are physically printing the shirts. And so definitely kind of weeding out the customers that are sucking away our time, but aren't necessarily helping us on the revenue side of things and targeting businesses that we specifically want to do business with, as opposed to sitting back and just hoping that the right people come to us And then on top of that, we have started to expand out of the Nashville area. We have a couple, uh, specifically one local business here who has a national presence. They have hundreds of employees that work here in Nashville, and then they also have hundreds of employees across the nation. And so I'm excited because I've gotten to start using a little bit of my technology background. I, I wouldn't call a WordPress, you know, somebody can put a WordPress site together, like somebody that has a technology background, but you'd be surprised how far it can get you. And so we've put together an e-commerce site for them. And so that all of their contractors from around the nation can come on to this e-commerce platform, purchase that company's logo to peril. It's a private company store just for that company's employees. And then we ship it out all around the nation. And so that's giving us a huge footprint. And so we're really focusing on bringing on bigger customers like that that'll give us a, a national footprint as opposed to you know being... N- Nashville's a great city. There's a lot of business here, but there's way more business around the nation.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's an important point to focus on the things that'll get you the big wins versus taking what you can get. And in the beginning... That's what you have to do, and that's what that's what I do with my site. I mean, you just make money however you need to make money. Whether that's doing award bookings for people, whether it's doing trading your time for money, and maybe it's not always super lucrative, but that's how you get started. But once you have that base, like you guys do, then it's time to start thinking. Okay, I'm not going to take a twenty shirt order necessarily, or maybe you will, but it depends on the situation. Because I know that if I spent my time going after a thousand shirt order or ten thousand shirt order that's going to be much more lucrative in the long run. So it's neat to see the transition from, as you said, waiting and hoping to actually being proactive and saying, I'm going to go after this.
1: Yeah, I think there's two different phases. I think there's the hustle phase, and then you kind of move into the growth phase. And one of the things that I feel like I kind of got wrong in the beginning of my entrepreneurial career is I wanted to go straight to the growth phase. So I only wanted to do things where, you know, my time wasn't tied to the amount of money that I was making. And I would always ask myself, is what I'm doing scalable? And if the answer was no, then I didn't want to do it. And I was too good for that. And then you don't have anything. Uh, but I finally got past that, went into the hustle phase, wasn't above taking a 20 shirt, softball team order, anything like that. And then you build up a base of customers, you build up some consistent revenue. And then after that, you can kind of take a step back and move into the growth phase. So that's kind of been my journey, and I think similar to a lot of other entrepreneurs out there as well.
0: Such an important point. I couldn't have said it better myself, so I'm not even going to try. That was succinct and perfect for anyone who's starting and probably thinks the same thing. I want to touch a little bit on the social responsibility aspect, because that's where you guys really make your mark outside of just hey we're a printing company yeah we can service your your needs when it comes to t-shirts and mugs and pens but for you i think i mean maybe i'm speaking for you and you can tell me if i'm wrong but i think the social responsibility part is even more exciting than the actual i'm building a company and i'm printing the t-shirt side
1: it definitely is you know we try not to talk about goals in terms of in terms of revenue or clients or anything like that but it's we we talk about goals in the in the terms of how many meals we can give this year and how many lives we can save. And that is something that sets us apart. So when we were initially doing the t-shirts on the e-commerce site, there are a lot of companies out there in the business to consumer space who are have some type of giving model associated with their company. And so there, there's really a lot of competition, you know, in, in that aspect. But one thing that we saw moving into this business was that there aren't a lot of B2B companies or business-to-business companies who have some sort of giving model associated with their company. And so that has been something that has set our company apart from others. And another thing for me is the printing and promotional product industry isn't that exciting. It's been around forever. There's tons of competition. There's tons of people that do it. It's not super unique. But one of the things that encourages me to get out and sell every day and pick up the phone is knowing that when I make a sale kids are going to get fed in Sudan or Kenya or wherever these wherever these meals are going.
0: Yeah, and how did you Come up with that. I mean, like you said, the idea isn't new. I mean, if people probably know Tom shoes, you buy a pair of Tom shoes, they give them to a kid around the world. And that is the business to consumer because the people are consumers are buying it and you're working on more business to business level. But how did you come up specifically with the idea for these peanut butter? You can describe them, peanut butter packs, peanut butter sandwich type things. How did you find that and why did you decide? This is what we're going to do. This is going to be our giving model.
1: So the, the peanut butter packs, just to just to clarify that, because a lot of people, that, that's probably not their technical term, so it's not what I should use. It's ready-to-use therapeutic food packs is the, the actual name of it. But essentially, it looks like an oversized ketchup pack, and it's filled with peanut butter paste, powdered milk, and vitamins and minerals. And what happens is when a child gets to a certain point of malnourishment, their body stops pulling nutrients out of certain foods so they could be eating and still starving to death. And these packs are specifically formulated to fight severe acute malnutrition, which is essentially when a child is dying in malnutrition. And so it's not like a meal that they eat every day ongoing for the rest of their lives. But when they get to this point of being so malnourished that their body can't consume nutrients, they feed them these peanut butter packs for about six weeks and it has a crazy good success rate, like 98%. It's going to bring these kids back from the brink of death and, you know, have them nourished. And so that was definitely one of the, one of the draws was just like the immediate result, you know, that we can have in these kids' lives. But kind of going back to how we got involved with the organization, there was a time November, December of 2013, where we knew we were going to transition into a company that service local businesses as opposed to an e-commerce company. And we knew we wanted to bring a giving model over to this new company, but we didn't know what it was going to be. At that point, I met with a guy that sat on the board of directors of another company who had partnered with a nonprofit called Mana Nutrition. So Mana Nutrition is our nonprofit partner. They're the ones who actually manufacture the peanut butter packs and send them out all over the world. And when we were meeting He had recently started to sit on the board of this company, and he was pumped about these peanut butter packs and the impact that they were having. And he was telling me, you know, the success rate and how many lives they were saving. And, you know, like kind of like I said, 2013, I was pulling the trigger on stuff and, you know, just getting started. And so there wasn't a ton of planning or, you know, like thought that went into it. But I, I knew that these peanut butter packs were making a difference. Peanut butter printing, that name came out at some point during my wife and I's conversation one night. And it was funny because that was kind of like one of those light bulb moments. Like I said the name and, you know, we were both kind of like, that's it. That's, you know, like that's what we're doing moving forward. And so that, that was a lot of fun, but I also wanted something that was quantifiable as far as giving went, because I had seen companies who didn't do a good job of defining their giving model fell because it confused people and people almost felt like it was some kind of scam. And so I liked these peanut butter packs because you could quantify the number of meals and then it kind of breaks down. So they feed them the pack for six weeks and they feed it to them two or three times a day. And so it takes about 150 meals to save a life. And so I liked the idea that we could quantify not only how many meals you were giving, but if you've done a lot of business with us and you've donated over 150 meals, you have legitimately saved a life by purchasing your products through our company. And so kind of all of those things came together to for us to say, yeah, this is what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I love the not just the idea of these packages, which I, I knew a little bit about them and, and just listening you tell about them, you can hear the excitement and I can... Picture the enthusiasm of that guy who was telling you because then the enthusiasm transferred to you and then your enthusiasm transfers to me because it's just – it is such a cool thing. I mean, who knew that these big ketchup packets of peanut butter in essence – you know, could save a child's life. It, it in essence acts like medicine, right? And, and, and brings them back. And that's just so neat. And I like that it's quantifiable because you're right. There's so many places that say, we're going to give this amount of money to this. And you're like, oh, that's, that's cool. And, and it is great that they're doing it. But when you can actually say, like, you bought this many t shirts this saved a kid's life and we we do a lot with pencils of promise and it's the same thing $25,000 you're building a school like that's the number it takes to build a school so when we hit $25,000 from sales of our paradise pack and and the money we're going to get from location india and all that stuff you can say we built a school like here's a picture of the school that we built and that's just a it's really really cool and i think that not only does it help, I'm um, of course it helps from a business perspective, but in the long run, that's what we're all about is actually giving back. And so when you can see that you gave back, it's gonna get you excited and everyone else excited.
1: Definitely. You know, I mean, that's one of the things that keeps me excited to wake up every morning and when I kind of get down and in that funk, you know, I mean, that's definitely one of the things that that I can look back at or forward at, you know, however you want to look at it, but be be motivated to get back to grinding and building the business.
0: Right, you realize there's it's, it's a much bigger thing than you selling t-shirts. It's now about hey, even on your days where you think I didn't do anything, you can look back and say we've saved this many kids lives. So I've done something right in the past, right? <laughs> even if I don't feel like it today.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and looking back at the, you know, at the end of last year, 24,000 meals, 160 lives you know, like some days too, I just kind of feel like I'm running a business and you know trying to grow revenue and stuff like that. But it's always great to be reminded that we really are making an impact.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And Nate, I I appreciate you joining us again for the second time and for being so open and honest about your entrepreneurial journey. We've talked a lot about the honesty part in business, but it's nice to hear from someone who comes on and says like, I don't have it all figured out. I pulled the trigger. This might not have worked. That might not have worked. This did, this didn't. Because I think a lot of people who want to start something are intimidated and scared because they think the person who started it was smarter than them, had a leg up on them, which is better or they know what they're doing. And I think uh, we pulled the curtain off together of the fact that we don't always know what we're doing. And I really appreciate the honesty in you coming on and telling your story.
1: Definitely. Well, I've had a blast and I hope that it inspires one person to pull the trigger on whatever idea they have.
0: And where can people then go? Because maybe people listening say, hey, you know what? I've wanted to get t-shirts made. I know when we've talked, we're looking at doing something with Epop at some point. I mentioned Survivor Buffs at the top of the show. We're trying to figure out a way to get uh, these cool Epop Buffs made and hopefully that can work. But where can people go to find out about peanut butter printing, about the company, and then potentially even get a hold of you to, to do an order or two?
1: Yes, so I probably do a poor job of keeping up with peanut butter printing social media because I'm busy uh, building the business. So don't go look at our social media sites. But peanutbutterprinting.com is the domain that will give you a little bit more information about the company, tell you about our mission. We've got a fun little video on there. And then if you need shirts, there's a contact form. That's another thing people for some reason, I only think we do t-shirts. We also do promotional products and embroidery. If you need anything like that, there you can get a quote right from the website, or feel free to send me a personal email because that's where it's going anyway. It's Nate at peanutbutterprinting.com and that's N-A-T-E.
0: Awesome. And guys, if you do have stuff that you might need done, check it out. It'd be really cool. I'd love if a listener got a hold of you and was like I heard you on the EPOP podcast because then it's just this whole circle of life. So if you do need stuff done, check out peanutbutterprinting.com. Also, don't forget we featured Nate's travel on an earlier episode. So if you want to hear about the crazy trip that he took, how he planned, prepared it, executed it, you want to check that out. You can get that episode and the show notes and this episode and the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Tortuga Backpacks. Again, if you are thinking about going around the world or just even next door and you need a backpack, go with the carry-on, com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, and you can check that out. Nate, I want to ask you a little bit because we're starting a new community and you're one of the very first people I asked to join it. It's called Location Indie. So if you wouldn't mind, tell people a little bit about what you think Location Indie is and how you think it might help you because I've already told them about it on different podcasts.
1: Okay, I'm pumped about location indie. I really am and I think I want to see this grow and become huge because then I'll have a little bit of claim to fame. I believe that I was the first one to comment inside the community when you invited people. But no, I'm really excited. You know, like one of the things we talked about, uh we talked about like getting in a funk and th- these things that you go through as an entrepreneur that a lot of people you know like they they just can't understand it and so to you and i have jumped on skype before and kind of talked about some of our our struggles and it's it's just fun to be able to talk to other entrepreneurs and know that you're not the only one struggling through these things i think that that's going to have you know a huge impact for people who you know need to be need to be motivated as well as being able to get on and get ideas and help from other entrepreneurs who have been there before you know like If somebody has a question about throwing up a WordPress site or anything like that, you know, like me who has built five or 10 or, you know, 20 websites, I've built way too many. I've spent days figuring this stuff out and really it takes five seconds. And so to have a community where you can come to and ask those type of questions and also save you a lot of time.
0: Yeah, why should we all be recreating the wheel? And that's the exact reason. When we when we got on Skype a few times and kind of you were asking me about travel, and then we were talking about business. I just thought, you know, why does it have to just be me and you, or why does it have to be me and Jason, or you know, why can't we have a place where all our expertise is together? Whether you want to travel more, whether you want to start a business, whether you're running a business, but again, you have these days where you think I don't know what I'm doing. And so I really appreciate you coming in, being the first person other than me and Heather to actually post in the forum. If you guys want to learn more about that, we have some funny videos up there and all types of cool stuff, locationindie.com, I-N-D-I-E.com. So thank you everyone for joining us. Nate, thanks again for coming on to uh, Nate Buchanan Week here at the uh, Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast. I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me. Until next time, everyone, happy free travels.